it's this right here. There's still some room up here if uh, there's some uh, people who like to linger in the back and kind of glue to the wall. So if you want to be a, uh, what do we call it, a, a teacher's pet <laughs> up here, the front row is open. So come on up and join us. We don't bite, we promise. Um, man, Candace is all alone, so she's a, she can use some company. Man, it's just good to be here. Service number two in the new building. And uh, we're, we're working out some kinks. We did a debrief last week, and uh, hopefully we're, you know, we're creating an environment that's, uh, that's good. Amen? Uh, we're not perfect, and we know that God's bigger than, than how we run a service on a Sunday morning. And, uh, man, I just, it's hard to follow up that song and be like, oh, and then hear Paul do announcements and uh, greeting you guys. So help me out here, okay? All right. I just wanted you, if you guys can take a minute when you walk out, I just, this is really important to us as, as a leadership is understanding the mission and vision of this church. And one of the things we don't want to happen in, in 20, what year are we in? I'm like, got to remember that. Where am I right now? No. 2019 mission, mission. I know we don't have this in the slides, but right outside your left door, out, out, out of this to the left, there's, a, there's a, uh, some, some uh, pictures, some, uh, I don't know what you call them, canvases that say our mission and vision. So mission, making Christ-like disciples in community for our community. And our vision, lighting up our city with the tangible love of Jesus, spiritually, socially, and physically. Amen? Read it one more time. Lighting up our city with the tangible love of Jesus. Tangible. Tangible is key there. With spiritually, socially, and physically. So I want you guys to buy into that mission and vision with us in 2019 and beyond. Because that's what it's about. The building is just a means to fulfill these things. Okay? And uh, that's why we're here. And uh, it's not to disparage or come down to the building at all. It's, it's all about, though, fulfilling this and what Christ has called us to do. Amen? Can you guys join us on that journey? All right. Three people. Sweet. No, just kidding. Um, if, there, if you're in youth, we have a, we have a youth environment that uh, starts right back here in this room. And if, if, you're, uh, if you're ages 6th grade to 12th grade, uh, that's right back in this room. So uh, if, if, you, if, you're, if you have someone in here who's, who's not or who wants to be in that and participate in that, it's right around this and right in that room uh, where Phil leads that. So um, we do have that. And then we have a bunch of kids. Guess how many kids we have back there right now? Any, anybody? No, not anybody on leadership. You can't, you, you're cheating. 50? I'll give you a $5 gift card to Starbucks, which will give you like maybe half a cup of coffee. All right. I only heard two answers. So if you're <laughs> it's like the price is right here. All right. Well, I don't have the answer, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wait, let me refresh it real quick here. So uh, we have our check-in system, so it is uh, 59. 59. But you're on, the, you're on the greeting team, so you don't get a gift card. <laughs> Sorry, suckers, next time you can try. 59 kids. What's wrong with us? All right. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, if there's a, if you are a visitor and you're new here, there's, you should, uh, there's welcome cards available. There's these beautiful turquoise color. I don't know what you call this. Um, but uh, if, if you please fill this out. And more importantly, uh, there's a, our welcome center right out to your right there. We'd love to just talk to you, uh, listen, uh, you know, learn, uh, learn more about you, introduce ourselves. And uh, you, if you do redeem that, you get a $5 uh, gift card to Starbucks. Like I said, it does get, not get you much. But, um, but more importantly, we just want to meet you. Amen? Amen? All right. And uh, I'm going to pray and welcome John up here next and uh, keep moving here. Um, I just want to say based on this too, or, or, or about this, you know, I, I know there's people, um, people are going through stuff, amen, and people are going through stuff, uh, good things, and hard things, and easy things, and there's, I, I could ask any single, every single one of you right in here, can I pray for you for something, and some people are so eternally optimistic, they're like, no man, I'm good, 
I'm like, liar. <laughs> but then other people are like, oh, man, here's a list of 20 things. And uh, so, we, you know, as, as we go through, we're always here at the front. Uh, but, you know, we, we try to give several environments for, for us to help pray and, and journey and, and go on this path with you. Um, so if you do need that, please come back. We'd love to get in, the, in a secluded space and talk and pray with you and talk about Hill City and, and how you can get involved in those things and how you can help us with our 59 kids back there and help serve. Amen? All right. So we're going to get ready for John to come up. And uh, let's give him a hand real quick. <laughs> Welcome, brother. All right. Sorry, we're so sarcastic sometimes. Uh, and I just want to say uh, greetings. Uh, greetings. That sounds like cheesy. Greetings. Uh, hello, everyone online, too. We have actually a lot of people that tune in online as well. Uh, one of my best friends uh, told me yesterday, he's like, man, I just want to tell you, um, you know, the, the sermons that you guys do online have just really been blessed for me. And uh, that was just, it's just cool to hear that. So um, please come on Sunday morning, though. Don't stay home, you know. No. But if, if you have to, but uh, everyone online, there's a lot of people that tune in. And not just in the state, but actually nationally and even internationally. It's pretty incredible, uh, the power of technology. So God, thank you for this morning. Just pray with me. And uh, God, we, we consecrate and just give the rest of this sermon to you. Uh, we turn it over and we, we prepare our hearts, we prepare our minds, um, any distractions we may have, God. We just, we set those aside right now for the next 30 minutes as we listen to, to the gospel, we listen to the message. Um, and um, God, let us just be the church this morning, grow deeper with you, deeper relationship, God. And just that ultimately we do these things, God, to see this mission and this vision fulfilled and that we operate in our calling, God, to see this, this community and this world changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Good morning. The ushers can pass those out. Go ahead, guys. Go ahead. Uh, talk to the person next to you as I'm setting up this stand, as I always do. Just one moment. Tell them uh, I, I like your haircut. That's right. It's, it's our second week. It's pretty crazy. Two weeks of this, and I just, I'm just grateful. I just, I just want to let you know a couple things that are going on quickly, that uh, we are continuing our prayer and fasting. Hello, Katie. Good to see you. And uh, we're starting off this year in our prayer focus on Jesus more than anything. I love this quote by Tim Keller. I put it up there the other day, and it just says this about prayer. Prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves, Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things that he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we desire most. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. I was like, man, that was good. I couldn't, uh, there's no way I could say that better since that's Tim Keller and, and he's an amazing, amazing author and pastor. But I was, join us. We have 14 days left in our prayer and fasting. Just join us. Try it. If you've never prayed and uh, prayed or fasted, this could be your first time. And how do you pray? Just, man, you have a conversation with God. God, I don't know how to pray. This is how, this is how I pray. You remember in uh, 21 Jump Street, it's like, the end? The end? You can even end with that. God's good even with that. He's good with where your heart is. It's not a specific way to do anything. God knows where you're at, and there's no secret way to do it. You come to God as God, like, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to trust you in this. Also, set goals. Uh, according to my life coach, Denzel Washington, Denzel, 
Dreams without goals remain dreams and ultimately they fuel disappointment. So write them down, keep them in front of you, make them measurable, and keep them big and inspiring. If your goal is small and you reach it all the time, you're like, oh, I did it, then it's not much of a goal. But it, a goal has to be something that keeps you moving and it makes you take steps. So today, we're going to focus on this. It's called Crazy Courageous. We said it last week. Crazy enough to believe that we can change the world and courageous enough to do it. We are following the way that Jesus lived. This is what Christianity is. At the end of the day, it's following Jesus. It's not knowing about Jesus. It's not intellectual assent like, oh, I know a lot of things. No, it's actually following him. Our salvation is not just about do knowing the right things. It's actually living the right way, living as Jesus would live in my life. And so as we're following after Jesus and we're interacting with people, no matter how crazy you are, right, it's not boring or mundane. It's not safe. And I could say so boldly, if your faith is boring, maybe it's not the kind of faith that Jesus was talking about. I really mean it. If you are bored with your faith, it's the wrong faith, man. It's not what Jesus was talking about. It's not the way Jesus lived, it's about, ultimately, we want to be like Jesus. And that when I read his life, man, I want it. I desire it. There is something in me that says there is more. So now if you have your Bibles, please go to the book of Luke. All right, we're in Luke 19. We celebrate the word of God because we believe the word of God reveals Jesus and Jesus ultimately changes our lives. So just a little backstory of Luke. Luke is a medical doctor and he wanted to document Jesus' life in detail and in sequential order. I, we said it last week. He was this type A kind of personality. Like he was like, everyone else was telling stories about Jesus, writing down this, that, and the other thing. He's like, let's put that in order, right? Let's put that in order. And so if you read the book of Luke, it's Jesus' life in order. And, and so as we, I was reading through Luke 17, 18, and 19 this week, and Jesus revealed that the life, the life that's available for us, that's what he's talking about in those chapters. If we so choose to follow him into these places we have never been before, we will have full access to the kingdom of heaven on earth. It, sometimes we think that heaven is this one, that this distant thing that's going to go on, that it's going to be a one day. But when you look in the Bible, when you read the Bible, when Jesus comes, he says, heaven is here. Heaven is now. You have full access to it if you want it. Or you can live the mundane, boring life and be okay with it, right? I don't think, we could totally miss heaven for religiosity and ritual. Going to church as the highlight of the Christian life, which would be the worst. No one wants to sit in rows and listen to a Korean guy talk about a Jewish guy. No one, right? We want to sit in rows. We want to listen to a Korean guy talk about a Jewish guy. And we want this message to change our life. Then we want to go out those doors and do something about it. It's not enough to sit here and listen about Jesus. There is a moment where we step into faith and step into darkness and say, I want to do what you did. I want to go where you go, and I'm okay with it, whatever the ending is, because I believe that the kingdom is here, the kingdom is now, that I could be light on this earth, and I can bring it, just care for people, care for the brokenhearted. It's way more than my story. It's your story, God. I want to be a part of it. I don't want to miss your story so focused on mine, God. And I'm good with whatever comes my way because I trust you. That's what it means by faith in Jesus. It's saying I trust you with my life. I trust you 
with my life. Because I believe at the end of our lives, our biggest regrets are not things of wrong action, what we didn't do right. Our greatest regrets are regrets of inaction, things we should have done. We, it's already our biggest regrets, right? We should of, uh, of put money away. We're like, I'm like, oh, I should have I done this. Or we should have invested in Google. That would have been a good idea, right? Right? You shouldn't have bought an iPod back in the day. Do you know if you didn't buy an iPod and you just invested into Apple, you would have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars more than the $5.99 you purchased your iPod with, right? You're like, that was a mistake because I bought three of them, Right? And, and it, it, it's crazy. Our, our biggest regrets are regrets of inaction. The things we should have done and the person we should have been. And with that in mind, we're jumping into Luke 19, 1 to 6. All right? I'm going to read quickly and then we're going to jump into it. It says in Luke 19, 1 through 6. Jesus entered. He entered into Jericho and was passing through. Say passing through. I love those words because we're always passing through, right? We're always getting somewhere. I don't know you, if you, when you're driving on I-25, people are trying to get somewhere. They're not trying to get to I-25. No one wants to get there, right? So they're trying to get somewhere. They're going on a destination. It's not, Jesus wasn't at his destination. He was passing through. And for us control freaks, not everything is planned. Many of the incredible things and incredible moments of God happen while we are passing through. It's unscheduled. Think about this. I know you're like, that's not on my schedule. That's not on my schedule, John. You better talk quicker or you're not on my schedule, right? Not everything is planned. It's unscheduled. We can be so busy getting so much done and doing important good things on our phones, on our emails. We're learning. Like people are on their watches, right? They're, this is how uh, people text now. They're like, they're scratching their watch because they don't want you to know that they're texting. Instead, they're staring at their watch and scratching it, right? It's so interesting. We're so busy that we can learn, we, that we can absolutely miss God moments doing all these other things when the God moment is right in front of us. In the words of the prophet Macklemore, right, he said, I wish somebody would have told me, babe, that someday these would be the good old days. And I listen to this song. I'm like, you're absolutely right. That makes me old. Why am I listening to this song, right? And, I was, and I'm going to go to verse 2. I'm going to go off in a, in a totally weird tangent. I will not. I'm telling myself, right? Verse 2. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. So he was the executive vice president of the division of Roman finance, right? He had power. He had privilege. He had provision. Yet he wanted to see Jesus. Is Jesus really who people say that he is? Could this be the Savior, the Messiah? Can Jesus really change my life? Or is he what I've been looking for, right? Some of you in this room right now, you have the same questions, and I know it. Is this Jesus? Is this for real? I'm here just to figure out if this is for real. Or maybe just like you're a, you're, you're a, you just came here because your friend invited you. They told you they were going to take you to lunch, and you ended up at church, right? You're like, surprise, right? But this is what's going on with Zacchaeus. And it says, furthermore, it says, because he was short or small in stature, right, he could not see over the crowd. So he had a physical roadblock. 
Maybe yours is a mental roadblock or a cultural roadblock or a historical roadblock. You tried religion in the past, and it was not for you. It's just something your parents did, You something you grew up with. Or maybe you can't get over some of the things in the Bible. If God is love, why is there so much suffering? Have you ever asked that question? Why is my life so hard? Why, is, why are Christians such haters, man, if God is love? I think everyone comes into this room with questions and roadblocks. And that's okay, and that's why we're here for. You're, you're not, we're, we don't want to just sit back. We want to answer your questions. If you have questions, you ask them. If you have questions, let's go. You can, uh, we can go to that back room. We can talk. We can do whatever needs to be done because we believe God is for real, and he has the answers to our lives. So Zacchaeus is short, verse 4. So we ran ahead and climbed the sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. On that day, I don't know what Zacchaeus was thinking, but he got out his little giant ladder and climbed a 30-foot tree. And he went out on a limb because he had to know if this was Jesus, if this was God, if this was for real. If it's, he had to know if his life could be changed. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're just living life. And, of course, Zacchaeus looks like he had everything that he needed. And he was, he, he was powerful. He had he had privilege, he had provisions, but he had to know if Jesus was for real. He had to know. So he climbed this tree. Have you done anything extreme because you had to know if there was a chance? Yeah, if there was a chance. I, I, I told this story in the past, but I remember driving right after work. It was like 7 o'clock when I was uh, 21 years old. I drove I drove 12 hours from Denver to Dallas to go see Candace. Was, and it, it was, it, you know, when you're in love and you're crazy, you'll do whatever. I had this white Dodge truck, and it just sucked down gas. It was like eight miles per gallon. Uh, but I, I drove a, a giant Dodge truck. Like, it's, it, I don't know why, but I did. And it smelled like weed. And that's another story. I, I won't tell you why on that one, right? Today, that's a long story. But I drove this Big Dodge truck that smelled like weed from Denver to Dallas to see Candace in the mornings. I wanted to be there when she woke up. So I left and I drove all night and I, I made this, uh, this other cat go with me because just in case I fell asleep because I am narcoleptic. And I was like, just wake me up, man. Keep me awake. And I made it there. And I remember being on the phone with Candace. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm, I, I'm at her dorm in, in Waxahachie, Texas, where Trent is from. And I'm, I, I'm at her dorm and I'm talking on the phone and I knock on her door. And all of a sudden she, she's like, you're here, right? We will do extreme things to see if there's a chance that we can change our lives. Isn't that true? There's all sorts of things that people do. That's what I did. That's what I did. Sometimes you got to go extreme because you can't miss it. And that's where Zacchaeus is at. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he saw Zacchaeus and he said, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, all the people, the people. Has he gone to be with the guest of a sinner? The haters, whenever you take steps of faith, there will always be haters questioning you, belittling you. And sometimes you're your greatest hater, man. You're the greatest hater of your life. You tell yourself the worst advice. And so this is what's going on. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord later that night, Look, Lord, 
Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back uh, four times the amount. And we see Zacchaeus here give 50% of his wealth. That's a big deal, right? It seems extreme. It seems extravagant. But what we can miss in this verse is that Zacchaeus calls Jesus Lord, which means master, which means savior. It wasn't just a moment of doing the right things. It was a moment that Zacchaeus encountered God, and it changed Everything. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. He's chosen too. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save the lost. Say that with me. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save the lost. That's right. Now what does that have to do with me, John? How is this story even relatable to me? I feel and I think that Zacchaeus' story is really typical of the American story. Very typical of many of our stories. Maybe people are comfortable and we have what we need. We have power. We have privilege. We have provision. We live in the suburbs of Thornton, of Denver. We live in our house and we're good. Things are going good. I was telling uh, Christina and Bobby, like, I have all three kids in sports right now and my life is crazy. That's the crazy part of my life. It's not like I'm getting shot at or I'm running for my life. I'm like, man, my life is so hard right now. I have to take my kids to basketball. I'm like, how lame is that excuse? I know it's good things, but it's not what people, so, but some, oh, I'm going to say, it. it's not what real people are going through. <laughs> and I'm telling myself this. Some people today are sitting here and they're going through divorce. Some people are suicidal in this room. Some people have lost their job and they feel hopeless because they find their identity in their job. Some people, they're dealing with some deep, dark things. Some people are dealing with addiction in this room. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, I have to take three of my kids to practice. I know, life is hard. Life is hard. All right, let's get in my minivan, right? It's just crazy. People are really going through it. And I'm not belittling my situation or your situation, but people are really going through hardship. And I want us to see it because Jesus saw it. And here's Zacchaeus responding to Jesus saying there has to be more, and I'm telling you there is. I believe we're just scratching the surface of God, what God has for your life, my life, and for this church. I really believe it. There has to be a cost of following Jesus. I'm going to say that again. There is a cost of following Jesus. And let me be honest. There are people in this room, or maybe it's even me, that are not willing to pay for it. And we will miss what God has for us. We will miss it. We will miss it. So what's the cost of following Jesus in this? I put the cost of inviting God in. Inviting God into your life means inviting God into your mess. Think about that. Inviting God into your life means inviting God into your mess, into, in, into the inside life. There's reasons why you can't have close friends or you go from job to job or you can't forgive or you isolate yourself. There's hidden sin maybe in your life that you're hiding from your husband and your wife. Inviting God in means Jesus is the master of your outside life and your inside life. And you open all the doors, you open all the closets, and, and that's what the, the choice that Zacchaeus made. God, you have full access to my life. Full access. Number two, the cost of inviting people in. Many of us are good with going to church, right? But we don't really want real community. Let me just be honest. We want controlled community. 
right? We want, contr- we want certain people, no, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. We don't say that, we just do it, we just live it, right? We, want, we don't want real community, oh, you know too much, now I have to get away. Sometimes I don't like getting involved in marital issues. You know why? Because they leave the church, because I know too much. So I don't like to talk about it. I'm like, go to someone else, man. Because you have an 88% chance of leaving the church. Because people don't want real community. They want controlled community. And you might be in here and you're like, I'm not doing life groups because it takes too much from me. No, you're not doing life groups because it's hard. It's hard. And it is. And life groups is just people coming together, seeking God and being there for one another. See, yet Jesus never said go to church. He told us to be the church. And the church is a bunch of imperfect People who live, go, give, risk, love, serve, mess up, get back up again, and serve again and love again, right? You can know God and still have a skewed view or baggage from your past. God's process for you to experience freedoms from yesterday is healthy, devoted relationships. If you want to run from people, man, you can't work things out. We are not self-made people. Man, a healthy, devoted, where you know people deeply and you're deeply known. Where you're deeply known. And there's a cost to being deeply known. For Zacchaeus, this meant getting right with people. Losing much of his wealth that he had stolen. Losing his power, privilege, provision out of obedience and love for Jesus. That's transformation. When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to Jesus being Lord and master over everything. What we have, who we are, and there's a cost to that. It is not just, it's not just clean. Christianity is, is messy, man. It's not just sanitized and everything's clean and, and, and it's, it should be on a magazine cover how great your life is. No, it's messy. There's a cost of following Jesus. God, I believe, has placed us here in Thornton, Colorado on 120th and York, not so we can not set up. That's not the point. But to make a difference as we're passing through, as we're busy, as we're living lives, making a difference is not the job of the pastor. Making a difference is the call of the church. It's our call. It's your call. It's my call. And for some of you, God has already talked to you about what to do and what you need to do. And don't wait to do the right thing. Just do it. Be crazy. Be courageous. And just maybe people will even join your crazy. I believe this is what it is. We church planted two years ago, and people actually joined our crazy. I was like, huh? That's crazy, right? And I ask us today, can we be the church that Jesus had intended and had in mind? So as we're closing today, I want to ask you, learn to stop. And learn to show up and find your Zacchaeus. Can you imagine if Jesus never stopped? There's some people that should be in this room or should be in your life, but we never stop. Let me just be honest. Some of us are here today because someone stopped for us, right? Someone loved you enough, man, carried you through some hardship. They really did. That's what Jesus does. He goes into dark places. So that to set people free, even from themselves. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God, the dwelling place of God, and that God's spirit dwells within you? So wherever you go, you bring heaven with you. You bring heaven's rule. You bring heaven's hope. And you make a difference. People might never listen or, or ever hear the gospel of Jesus, but they know you. And you can bring the gospel. You can live the gospel. You can tell the gospel. Jesus went into dark places. 
And it cost him everything. And I know it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. If you want to really follow Jesus, it's going to cost you. But what's the cost of non-discipleship, not following? Think about this. We know we're like, oh, this is going to cost too much. This is too hard. But what's the cost of not following Jesus? What if Zacchaeus never climbed that tree, never took Jesus' offer for dinner, never gave, it out of, gave his stuff out of obedience? Because he said, this is too extreme, Jesus. What if he didn't? What's the cost of non-discipleship? He would have never met Jesus. He would have never felt the real joys, the real fellowship. He would have never experienced forgiveness. He would have never experienced real peace in Christ. Or uh, seeing others being blessed, his family changed, his heart transformed, and eternity is at hand. Ultimately, that we would, that, that it's not about another Sunday of being here. It's the cost of following Jesus. The cost of not following Jesus is massive, guys. I'm telling you, it's massive. It's massive. Let's stand today. I'm going to end with one last story. <laughs> when I was a kid, in, especially in middle school, you guys remember middle school? It's like the awkward age where your head's too big, your body's too small, and you're growing a mustache. I never grew a mustache, but you smell weird. It's weird. It's, it's a weird age where you're just oblong and weird, right? You, you weren't funny, but you tell jokes, you know? I, I, I just laugh with them. But I remember being in middle school, and I was a messed up kid. I was really messed up, right? Honestly, when I say I was really messed up, I mean, I was like the spawn from hell. I just would make things worse everywhere I went. And looking back, I was always kicked out of class, always in fights. I was suspended all the time. And for many of my teachers, they just hated me. They're like, oh, John came. <laughs> Yet I remember a man named Robert Slater. He was the new youth pastor in my Korean Methodist church, right? And he was black. He was my black youth pastor in my Korean Methodist church. It was awesome. It was on 19th Avenue in San Francisco, freshly out of seminary. And, and for the next few months, I gave him my worst, right? And I was filled with anger. I was going to say I was filled with piss and vinegar. I really was. I was just so angry, man. And I trusted no one. Yet it didn't stop this man. Every week he would pick me up to take me to church. And every week I would do something hateful and he would have to kick me out of church. So I'd be outside at the convenience store. I'd come back. Is church over? Yeah. And then he would take me home, right? He would drop me off. And then he would say this to me. See you next week, John. I said, all right. Bring it. So the next week, the same thing. He, I, he would pick me up. He would kick me out. I'd go to the convenience store. And at the end of church, I'd come back. And he would take me home. And he would say, see you next week. And this happened for months and months on end. And I don't know why he would pick me up. I would have not picked me up. You know, I was like, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> right? But he would say, see you next week. Today, I don't know if he knows. I, I couldn't get in contact with him. But he changed my life radically. Week by week by week, he just grinded me down. A man who owed me nothing chose to suffer to love me. When I didn't know how to love myself, he taught me. When I didn't know patience with myself, he taught me. In the simple words he would say every week, See you next week. See you next week.
I think that's what Christianity is. It takes suffering to love somebody. It's not easy. Just think about your kids. Yeah. yeah. You want to know how to deal with sinners? Be a parent. Yeah. But through that suffering that you go through, you will radically change your life. As every time you see them, you say, see you next week. I think of my, I think of my pastor a lot, Pastor Robert Slater. I don't know what he's doing today, and I can't get a hold of him. I always wanted to get back to him and just say, you changed my life. But just telling me, see you next week, man. I don't think he, he would be surprised to see what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I'm surprised. My mom's always surprised. <laughs> but this is the words of Pastor Mark Batterson as he wrote the Christian Manifesto. And listen to me clearly. He says, the Christian faith is not boring, mundane, or safe. It is the greatest adventure any human being can ever experience. It demands all you have and all you are, and it demands even more. Quit living life as if, it's the, as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-ordained passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Keep asking questions. Keep making mistakes. Keep seeking God. Stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Move heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today, Lord God. As we close, we thank you and we love you, Lord God. We believe that Jesus had suffered deeply so that we could be free, God. That's the message of the gospel, that there is a God who loves you so deeply that he will suffer so that you could be set free. Just like what Robert Slater did for me, he did for us, for our soul, Lord, for our lives, that heaven could be in our lives. And I pray today that I pray today if those who are here and they don't know you at all, Lord God, this is their first, Lord God's encounter with just even with Christianity, and they're like, Jesus, I, 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 I want to know who you are, God. I pray that they take a step of faith and they say, Jesus, if you're real, I take one step of faith. And they start just reading your word from the book of John through your gospels, God. And for those who have been Christians for a long time and they have boring faiths because they so chose, Lord God. And I'm not just being rude. I'm just being honest, God. I pray to you that you would find your Zacchaeus and you would cross the street. And you would say to them, see you next week. And you would take things on your chin and it would be hard for you sometimes. But every week you would show up because God showed up for you. I believe that's what it means to move heaven. We move heaven into the neighborhood. We move heaven into the workplace. We move heaven into the basketball court. We move heaven into the areas where the homeless are, those people who are suffering are, into marriages that are broken, Lord God, into families that are broken, so that we can be like you. We love you and we thank you. And as we go, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that you fill us with your Holy Spirit and we go out these doors, Lord God filled with heaven, Lord God, to give. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. If you need prayer, we're always up here, man, but go out and, and, and be light to this city, tangible love of Jesus, spiritually, socially, and physically. God bless you guys.